Today on the Ward Preacher Podcast, the signs of the times and who will be ready. I'm Brett Jensen and this is the Ward Preacher Podcast. All right. Um, The curriculum for this week's Come Follow Me material uh, covers Matthew 24 and 25. Uh, Alternatively, uh, Joseph Smith Matthew and the Pearl of Great Price is an interpretation of Matthew 24. Also, Mark 12 and 13 and Luke 21. kind of following in the tradition that we have been uh, in this podcast, we'll be focusing on the Matthew chapters. Um, Of course, also read the other material in your own study. Um, For our study together, let's go ahead and get started as we uh, dive into Matthew chapter 24 and talk about some of the signs of the, the times the signs of the second coming of Jesus Christ. He was asked when the signs of his, when the time of his coming would be and what would be the signs whereby they could recognize that it was coming. And uh, and Jesus gave uh, a, an entire chapter's worth of explanation of how they could, they could understand the answer to that question. Um, he begins with this caution. Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Uh, I always thought this was kind of interesting, this idea of false Christs who would say, I am the one. Because uh, certainly, I, I think most Protestant faiths, many faiths, are coming to the idea that we are approaching the end. This is, these are the latter days. Um, And in spite of that sense that I think is shared among many believers, um, it, it can be difficult to think of a lot of people who claim to be saying that they are Jesus. Now, maybe a few, you get some odd cults, and we might mention some of that a little bit later. Um, But uh, another way to think about this that I think is also true is that Christ is a title that means anointed one. He's a source of salvation. This is the one that basically stands uh, in between us and God, brings us to God. That's why we hold Jesus as the Christ. He brings us to God. And without him, there is no way to get to uh, the purpose of our lives. Now, while we don't see in popular media and uh, in a lot of places uh, people saying, I am Jesus or I am Christ, we do see a lot of people saying, this is the source for happiness. This is the meaning of life, even suggesting that life has no meaning other than the meaning you give it. 
its its own meaning in this cultural relativistic nonsense that really makes uh, life amoral and purposeless. Uh, there's there's no point. Uh, and if that were the case, anything that you could desire to do that you could get away with, it could not be considered immoral. Um, and so they, there are people who market these sorts of ideas as being freed from the bonds of religious thinking um, and, and providing a true source of happiness. Alternatively, you could think of some of these sources as false prophets when we consider a prophet as a source of truth given us by God, a false prophet is a false source of truth or a source of falsehood that declares definitively what is true. And obviously, if it's false, it's not true. Um, and there are a lot of people who claim that uh, they have found in one philosophy or another truth, that this is meaning. Um, in all sorts of different philosophies. Um, Jesus was concerned that this would be an increasing trend as we approached his second coming, the trend of people claiming to have the truth, but actually not having it. People claiming to have a source of happiness and salvation, but actually pointing to something other than the actual source of happiness and salvation. Um, and of course, that doesn't uh, preclude some of these cults that uh, arise. He also warns about that explicitly, saying, Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. There are a lot of people that say things, and he specifically commands you, Don't believe it. So how can you know what's true and what's not? Well, I mean, you are expected to follow true prophets, actual sources of truth, and being able to recognize those is something that we will talk about in greater detail in next week's podcast, where we talk more about how the Holy Ghost can uh, bring those things to our hearts and minds and help us recognize what comes from God. Um, in, in this podcast, we will just emphasize deception is a trend uh, that, that points to the proximity to, of, that we have to the second coming. He also describes wars and rumors of wars. Um, and uh, some people I've heard argue, well, there's always been wars. And yes, that's true. To some degree, there have always been some conflicts at some point in time in the world. But modern warfare is substantially different. Um, one of the most fundamental things uh, that is different about it is mobilization. In older days, it would take a long time to gather the forces train them, and just move them into the position where they could then have a battle, which would last, you know, a day or however long the battle would last. 
uh, and that would be the decisive factor. But it was a huge mobilization effort that could take months, years even, uh, in order to get an army into position. And with modern warfare, with modern means of communication and transportation, soldiers can be taken from one area of action to another area of action very quickly, frighteningly quickly. And what has that caused? Well, it's caused the soldiers that we do have to see more action than perhaps soldiers in previous periods uh, that were even engaged in in very long war campaigns. Um, In other words, more wars and more rumors of wars in terms of actual fighting occurring. We've simplified the mobilization effort. That's, uh, and it is frightening. That means people could be going all sorts of different places for these purposes. Uh, famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. Uh, this is not something that is terribly surprising. If you turn on the news, you will find information about disease, starvation, natural disasters, hurricanes, tidal waves, nuclear meltdowns. Uh, all sorts of of various things that seem to be happening in in great number all over the world in very diverse places that we might not have heard about in in old times. Uh, He also says, Many shall be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. I think that's particularly notable in our current culture of outrage, where every little thing, the the gender of a fictional character causes a big uproar, or um, the the skin color of someone in a comic book, or you know any of these things, society tends to reward those who can portray themselves as victims. And it stems from, I think, noble intentions, where we are having a desire to um, be just, to help people who have been wronged, but the result is a temptation for this social justice that is uh, that rewards people for portraying themselves as victims whether or not they're actually significantly disadvantaged. Uh, That's not always justice. And uh, consequently, there are a lot of people who have become offended or felt betrayed or actually betray others and hate one another on account of this perceiving who's the victim. Uh, This has risen This trend has risen greatly uh, just within the past few years, Uh, and it's difficult to see how this will end other than more of exactly what Jesus predicted. He also uh, says, Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now, I think that that's uh, an important trend to recognize as well, even in common practices. When you look back several decades, 
if someone knocked on the door, you opened the door and talked to that person, whether it was a salesman or or not. When someone called on the phone, you would pick up the phone and talk to that person. And anymore, if someone knocks at the door, I'm not interested in whatever it is that they have to, to say. A salesman, I open the door and I tell them, no, thank you, I'm not interested, and close the door. If it's someone calling on my phone that I don't know, I'm unlikely to answer. And it's partly because I've been exposed to so many uh, knocks on the door or calls on the phone from people who just want my money. Uh, Some of them are willing to promise all sorts of things in order to get it. Uh, We have become a little more skeptical. If somebody asks for something, somebody tells us we should do something, and they're not a trusted friend, we've become apathetic toward that, toward people that we don't know, and largely because of iniquity because of scams, because of emails from wealthy Nigerian princes and all of these other things that have made us kind of guarded towards taking other people seriously. Uh, Iniquity does cause us to kind of be more secure and try and shelter up a little bit more. I'm certainly not advocating Oh, yeah, buy into any scam. If someone promises you something, you should trust that person. That's not necessarily the case. But notice the trend and kind of put that in context of these all of these signs that Jesus is giving for ways that we can recognize the end is coming. He also gives another uh, key. The gospel will be preached in all the world. This is a distinct uh, phenomenon that's a little bit separate from what it was in the days of Moses, where God really focused on a people to raise a nation, the seed of Abraham that would stand out to all the world. Here, finally, we have them fulfilling their purpose to bring the gospel to everyone else. This is ultimately the reason that God made these covenants with Abraham and his seed so that everyone else would have access to the blessings of the priesthood, a true knowledge of him, and uh, and that they could fulfill their purpose. Um, he also describes an event that he says, he describes as the abomination of desolation. This is a reference to a prophecy of Daniel in the Old Testament, the abomination that maketh desolate. This is the destruction of Jerusalem, or Jerusalem under siege. It's something that has been fulfilled multiple times. Um, Titus was a Roman leader who came and laid siege to Jerusalem in about 70 AD and, uh, and destroyed it. Uh, And it was just as Jesus had predicted, not one stone of the temple was left on top of another. It was completely destroyed. And those that heeded the warnings he gave about where to go and fleeing to the mountains and being in other places, they were able to escape. The people that were stuck there in Jerusalem, it was not a good end. 
It's also a sign of things that will come as he approaches again. Jerusalem will once again be attacked. Certainly the nation of Israel, the political nation of Israel today, is frequently under threat of attack from many of its neighbors. And so it's really not hard to think, well, that could easily happen very soon. So that brings us to the question of timing. When is this going to happen? Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Which is a little bit confusing because, I mean, here we are 2,000 years later watching these signs starting to accumulate in greater number. Seems like that generation is gone. Um, the gospel being preached to all the world, that really didn't fully happen in that generation. But I think that we can kind of get an idea. There's, uh, there is something to be said for the other keys that he gives. For example, the fig tree. When you see the leaves coming, you know that summer is nigh. And also, he comes in such an hour as ye think not. Uh, and the evil servant declares, my Lord delayeth his coming. So while there's a lot of things that may indicate, oh, it's, it, you know, he said it was soon for, you know, 2,000 years, but really it's been a long time. That's not a good reason for us to think, oh, well, therefore he's not coming. It won't happen in my lifetime. That's a really dangerous idea. So we look at some of the other parables that he talks about, and we'll briefly talk about those in Matthew 25. He kind of describes those circumstances. The first, ten virgins, five of whom are wise, and they bring oil beyond what their lamps can hold with them in preparation. And five foolish virgins who show up with their lamps. Attendance is not enough. We must be prepared beyond what our meetings provide. Uh, this is the very idea behind the Come Follow Me curriculum, a home-centered, church-supported, where we get more than just what our lamp can hold on the Sunday. We try and fill beyond that so that we are found living our faith any day of the week. Second parable, the parable of the talents. One, one of his stewards, this Lord travels away and he leaves three stewards with various numbers of talents. Uh, the first one receives five talents and the second receives two and the last one receives one. Uh, the stewards that received five and two talents trade at work and they double what they've been given, and they're able to present the increase to the Lord when he returns. The last one buries his talent. Um, and he describes the Lord, he describes his reasoning as saying that he knew that he was a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. 
how is God being compared to this person who seems almost like he's describing a thief, reaping where he has not sown, gathering where he has not strawed? Well, of course, that's not really what the point of that is not really describing God, but more his expectations for us. This In this parable, this Lord invested in each of these people. He invested in them, hoping that they would better themselves, better the things they had been given. He invests in us. He has invested a great deal in us, so much that it caused him to tremble and suffer beyond all description, descending below all things, facing a cruel and horrific death for us. And I think that's the question. What do we do with the investment that God has made in us? Do we discard it? Do we wait until we receive something very specific before we do good? Or do we, of our own free will, make good on God's investment? We should not have to wait for an assignment to do something worthwhile. Do it now. God has given you gifts and talents. God has given you abilities and skills. Go and do good with it, that when he comes, you will be prepared, and he may say to you, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Now is the time for us to improve ourselves. Now is the time to prepare, because Jesus is coming. All of the signs point to a close proximity to his arrival. And for those who are prepared, he brings life and salvation. We appreciate all of the support for the Word Preacher podcast. Next week, we will cover John chapters 13 through 17, focusing on love, unity, and the Holy Ghost. Of course, as always, fight on.